All right. It is so good to be at the bridge today. Rain and all, thunderstorm and all, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. There might be some power in that lightning, but there's some power in here today, and I'm so grateful for it. I'm glad to be here. I want to invite all of you, by the way, uh, to join us in the annual um, um, memorial picnic that we have here at the bridge. Um, All the details, all that kind of stuff you can find on our website. Um, make sure you plug into that. It'll be a great time to get to know everybody and to play some ball or something like that and have just some fellowship. You guys bring the, the, the desserts and the sides and the fun. And we'll bring the, the, the bridge, we'll provide the meat and the soft drinks, and we'll just have a good time. Have a good time. Check it out on the website. We're, we've got a bunch of people that have already signed up. We want you to go ahead and get out there right away so we can plan for it and, and sign up for it. Sign up for it. All right, today... I've got a pretty short thought for you today. Everyone say, (laughs) that's probably true. That's probably true. Uh, Then we're going to go ahead and baptize some, some wonderful folks here today. But I believe, I believe that the master of this universe, I really believe this with all my heart, is here right now, and he wants to speak to someone here today. Now, I've heard ministers, you've heard ministers get up here and say this very thing, but this might be the first time I've ever felt like this so much and then said it. Now I know the feeling of what it's like. I'm telling you, I believe God has wants to speak to someone here today, and I don't believe it's just one, but I believe that God wants to speak to someone, and so what I'm asking you, are you listening? Are you listening today? I want to talk to you, when, and when I'm done, I want you to realize, everybody say realize, that you are loved. You are loved. In fact, that's the title of my message today, Realize You're Loved. When Crystal and I first met each other, I told my mom, I think that's the one. This is after the first date, by the way. She was so special. I, I said, I think, I think she's the one. We dated for about a year and a half. <clears throat> and to me, Jenny was good. You know, everything was good. And one day, all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, she says, hey, I kind of like to meet some other guys. It's always something your boyfriend wants to hear. (laughs) I kind of like to date around. And I remember thinking, I don't like that. (laughs) I I love this girl. And she was the one. But I was a gentleman. And I wasn't going to force anything, right? Like I could. But it was tough to take. You all know what I've, everybody has gone through heartbreak like that. It took me a while, but I was ready to move on. You know how, you know what I'm talking about. And I started dating again. And it had been about four months went by and I, I felt like I had gotten over Crystal. And all of a sudden, 
Uh, she didn't go to the same church as me. She comes strutting through the door on a Saturday night youth service. And I remember thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I just got over this girl, and here she comes walking in here. And of course, after service, I kind of waited to see if she was here for somebody else, you know, what's going on. Um, and so I, I finally got a chance to just talk to her a little bit and catch up, and I asked her, and by the time I realized that, you know, maybe she didn't have plans, I'd asked her, you know, you got any plans tonight? No. Well, you want to grab something? For dinner, yeah, we'll go somewhere. So we went out and uh, <clears throat> had a good time. We, I brought her back to the church and dropped her off at her car. And um, I asked her, I said, would it be okay if I give you a call sometime? And she said, yeah, give me a call. And so we parted ways. And what I didn't realize, everybody say realize, was that she thought I was going to call her like tomorrow morning. She, she thought like I was just going to go, we were going to go back and just have, because we like call each other every day about 14 times. Jesus thought it was going to be the, the same old way and we were going to go back, but I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it. So about a month passes and I hadn't called her. And I just thought, well, I'll give her, I'll give her. I didn't want to step in on her business, you know what I mean? If she was going to, she wanted to date around, I wasn't going to step in on her business. And so a friend of Crystal's sister, uh, who didn't know that I had been dating Crystal, you know, for a year and a half before that, and here, you know, it is five months later, she didn't know all the history and everything, but this friend of Crystal's sister I happened to work with her. And she says, hey, I heard somebody, have you ever had somebody say that? I heard somebody really likes you. And I thought, oh, yeah, right, who's that? Kind of available. <laughs> and she said, it's Crystal McVeigh. And I thought, well, maybe she's just not up on the times, you know? She doesn't realize what's going on here. <clears throat> and... Uh, she says, yeah. She says, I think, I think she really likes you. And, and, and she's, by the way, she's a little upset that you haven't called her. And I got to thinking, uh, she is up on the latest. Well, there were two words that she said that stuck out to me. And those two words were, I think, she said, I think that she cares for you. And I'm thinking to myself, she thinks or she knows? Because my heart had already been broken with the I think thing. I, I'm not going down the, the she thinks it path anymore. She thinks uh, could go either way for me. Um, wasn't, wasn't cutting it for me. It made me feel like, you know, it made me feel like I wasn't good enough for her. Like maybe the, I had to do something. I needed to impress her some more. I needed to do more. She thinks made me feel insecure. It made me feel more pressure, kind of. <clears throat> and eventually, 
Crystal finally came to her senses. <laughs> and she went from, I think, to I know. I know. I eventually, I eventually realized, everybody say realized, Crystal loves me. And here we are 36 years later, and a bunch of I know came out of that. When you realize that somebody loves you, it puts you at ease, doesn't it? I mean, it's like, you know what? I don't have to, if you really know somebody loves you, you don't have to perform. It's not like, you know, uh, you have to impress them anymore to be good enough for them. You can relax and be yourself and, and, and be comfortable and be secure because you know, you know she loves. You know he loves. And I'm here to tell you a lot of people live with this, I think he loves me mentality when we're talking about God. I love the third song here today. I think he loves me. And they base it on this whole performance thing. Uh, uh, well, I, I went to church today. You know, I, I did good. I think he loves me. I think God loves me. I, I volunteer at the bridge. I'm a leader at the bridge. I made dinner for my neighbor who was sick, you know. Uh, I, I resisted that temptation this week. I earned his love. But the problem with this mentality is, is that when we mess up, when we jack things up, when we do something wrong in our life, when we stop performing, here's what we think. We think, oh, what? God goes and finds somebody else to love and he drops you off at the curb. Because you know why? That's what we do as human beings. Hey, if, if you don't love me, man, I'm not going to love you back. But God's not like that. God's not like people. People can love you conditionally. Hey, I'll move on. I'll find somebody else. I'll find somebody else that loves me. But when we make mistakes, God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't change his mind. You could actually, listen to me, you could actually run away from God and he wouldn't turn his back on you. In fact, he'd come running to you Stop trying to earn his love. There's nothing that you could do or say uh, to, to, to make God love you any more or any less than he does today. Many try to, to clean up their act, clean up themselves before. You know, they gotta get good enough. And if they get good enough, if they, if they feel like, if they really believe that they've gotten, then we believe that God can help me because I've gotten good enough. But you know what? Let's take the pressure off today. Let's take it all off the table. God loves you right now the way you are. He loves you. He loved you when you did the wrong thing this morning on the way to church. He loved you when you were, went off course. He, he loved you when you turned your back on him. In fact, Paul says in Romans, this is a long scripture, so bear with me. In Romans chapter eight, it says, do you think anyone is gonna be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? He says, there's no way, not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture. And then he quotes the scripture 
They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're, we're, we're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. And then he says, after that, he says, Paul says, none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. Now check this out. I'm absolutely, Paul's, absolutely convinced, Paul says, that nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing, nothing living or dead, nothing um, uh, angelic or demonic, nothing today or tomorrow, nothing high or low, nothing thinkable or unthinkable. Absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. You are marked You are a marked man. You are a marked woman. God loves you and you are permanently loved. Jesus, you know, uh, Steve, you know, uh, listen, I don't even know if I believe in God. He still loves you. You, you, Steve, you wouldn't believe the mistakes that I made even on the way to church today. He still loves you. Steve, I'm sitting here and I've got an addiction. He still loves you. I've got a temper and it's out of control. He still loves you. Nothing that you've done has changed God's love. Nothing. Did you know that? And we always talk about following Jesus. I've talked to many people and we always use the words in speaking about following Jesus. But did you know that um, following Jesus is more about his love for you than it is about your love for him? Did you know that? We think about how much that we love God, but what's more incredible is how much he loves us. The Bible talks about, oh, God's great love. In Psalms uh, 103, it says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love. And then in Ephesians 2, 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love. And then in Ephesians 3, 18, I pray that uh, you may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. Someone here today, someone here today needs to know just how great God loves you and how great God's love is. Because I think you're wondering here today. I think you're here today and you're wondering that. Something's come up in your life. Hear me today. Nothing that you've done can stop God from loving you. He loves you and he always has from the very beginning. In Luke chapter 12, verse 7 he had been talking about how much he cares for the, the, very, the birds. And then he goes on and says, he, and, he, and, and the verse says, and he pays even greater attention to you down to the very last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. Now, that's not just saying like a count of them. That's what he's saying is, is I know that the ones that I'm holding in my hand are number 2,452 and the other ones, that's what it means. He knows that much detail about what's going on with you to know your very thoughts. He cares about you that much. Do you really think that there's anything that you could do to cause him to stop loving you? With all that detail, with that much, if he cares that much about you, how does God feel when you go around saying, I 
I think he loves me. I, I think I'm good enough. Get rid of the I think. You know what? And come to realize, listen, I know God loves me. I know he loves me. He wants, he wants listen what God wants. He wants you to, to go around saying, I know God loves me. I, I know God, I, I, I know the, that, that I'm the apple of his eye. He loves me that much. But you get these thoughts in your head, oh, well, not, not, not you, Steve. You, you've made some mistakes. You, you, you lost your temper. You're, you're, you're not a, a religious enough. But God, you know, listen, God doesn't love you uh, because you're religious or because you're good enough or because you, you've come from a certain family or whatever. No, his love's not conditional. He, his love is great. It's just a great love. In the book of John, written by the disciple John, of course, was an interesting, it's really interesting. He never referred to himself as John in there. When he talked about himself, instead of saying John, he said, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's pretty arrogant. Nobody else did that. But he says, in fact, he says, the disciple whom Jesus loved was sitting right next to Jesus. Now, he could have just said, hey, John was sitting next to Jesus. No, he says, the one Jesus loved Four times in John, John refers to himself this way, four different times. And you might think, okay, I got it the first time. Some might think that this guy's got some nerve, man, to do this. What an ego. Listen to what he goes on to say it one more, not one more time, but two more times. But the next time in John chapter 19, listen to what he says. Now, this one takes the cake. When Jesus saw his mother, his very own mother, What's the next thing that John writes after he says, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby? Now, I got to tell you something. If there's anyone that Jesus loved most, it had to be his mother. But John, he doesn't even take the time to tell how much Jesus loved his own mother. Instead, all he does is reiterate once again, the fact that he was the one that Jesus loved. Now, you can criticize him for this, or you can give him some credit, because he didn't just think that Jesus loved him. He knew that Jesus loved him. He knew it. When you can do like John, and in your heart say, you know what? I'm the one that you love. I'm the one. When you wake up uh, on Monday morning and you got this whole week in front of you and sometimes it's not such a good thing, you can say, good morning, Lord. It's the one you love. It's the one you love. When you're facing the Goliath in your life, you can say, God, I need you. It's the one you love. When, when you're, your back's up against the wall, I don't know, whatever, financially or relationally, you're having a hard time. When, when your back up is up against the wall with your boss or with your career or with your health, when, when, you, when, you, when you don't think anyone loves you, you can say, hey, Lord, it's me, the one you love. 
You wake up in the morning and you say, Lord, I love you, but you know what? It's the one you love. I'm here. I'm talking to you. When Lazarus was very sick and he was close to death, his two sisters, Mary and Martha, sent a note to Jesus and asking him if he would come and pray for their brother. And the note didn't say, it didn't say, hey, Jesus, we're begging you. We're begging you if you would. Please, please come and pray for Lazarus. He's a, he's, listen, Lazarus, he's a good guy. I mean, you know him. He's a good guy. You know how much he loves you, by the way, how much Lazarus loves you. Instead, no, he writes the note, and this is what he said in John chapter 11. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love, the one you love is sick. They didn't tell Jesus how much Lazarus loved them. They thought, you know, they'd be more effective to remind Jesus how much he loved, how much he loved Lazarus. Sometimes we try so hard um, uh, to convince God that we love him. You know, God, I, I, I went to the bridge this morning. You know, I, 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 I didn't go off on that guy at, at where I could have. I didn't. Uh, but I, uh, God, I, I'm, I, I've been performing good. Would you please, would you please, God, would you help me? Because I'm doing all this good stuff. No. Do like Mary and Martha and say, Lord, the one you love needs some healing today. Lord, the one, the one that you love is lonely today. Lord, the, the one that you love has a child that's kind of off course today. God, the one that you love's family is headed for destruction. Lord, the one that you love needs your help today. What moves God, I want you to hear me close now to this, what moves God is not just your love for him, but everybody say, but realizing, realizing his love for you realizing his love for you. It pleases, listen to me, it pleases God when you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are dearly loved by him. The Bible says that he wants us to come boldly to him, come boldly to the throne of grace. You know what? If my son came to me embarrassed and ashamed and, and, and he said, dad, you know what? I hate to bother you. I know that you're busy and, 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 and I know that I don't deserve this, but dad, you know what? I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Would you please help me with this particular situation? I wouldn't feel sorry for him. I'd be feeling bad about myself as a father. As a father, I think, man, what, what in the world did I do wrong that my son has to come to me so reluctantly so, so like inferior and unworthy like, begging me for a little help. Listen to me, it's not, it's not my lack of love for my son. I'd do anything for him. It's his lack of knowing how much he's loved. I love it when my kids just come to me and ask me for stuff. I love that. That's what a father loves. My, any parents love that? Any love it when, that, when your kids come to you and ask you for help? No. Little Sydney, you know, she needed some help. You wouldn't want her to hesitate to ask you for help as parents. My granddaughter, man, baby Hadley, a smile that she's got on her face. They take pictures and, 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 and she makes all kinds of different faces and, and you know, um, 
looks, she, she, I got to tell you some, all these different pictures that, that they take of her. I think we have one here. Um, <clears throat> just so, keep that up there, by the way. Just keep, you can keep that up there throughout my message. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, she just, she, when they send me these pictures, it makes my day. I could, don't matter what I'm doing, I'm just like, wow, that's, she's awesome. But I want to tell you something. If there's just a chance, if there's just a chance that little Hadley might, just, she just might need something, it might, it could be. Like maybe there's, some, there's 15 people that are on her like that. I mean like that. And then, of course, you all would do the same around here. Can you imagine when she's older, if she would come to you, Dustin or, or Jenna, and need something, and she's hesitant to ask her daddy and mommy for some help? How would that make you feel as a parent? Listen, all of you, when you go to bed at night, this is just something I just think, God loves you so much. He's like anxious. He's like on the edge of his seat, anxiously waiting for you to wake up. Anxiously waiting for you to wake up in case, just in case you wake up and realize how much he loves you and you ask him for something for that day. He's anxious. He's waiting over you. She wakes up and says, you know, she needs me today. He cares about you so much. I'm going to end with, I love the, the three parables that Jesus tells about the lost, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. I've talked a lot about the lost son, probably do it some more, but today I want to talk about the lost sheep. It's about a shepherd who leaves his flock of 99, 99 sheep in order to find the one that was lost. Chapter 15 of Luke. The story goes, and I want you to pay close attention. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners. Who was it? The tax collectors and the sinners. were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were muttering. And what were they muttering? This man. This guy, he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Wow. What kind of guy would do that? Someone's thinking right now, and I've fallen again. I've messed up again. I've said the wrong thing again. I, I, here, I'm bitter again, again. I, I've, I've strayed away from him again. I've sinned again. Look what it says here. Jesus, what does it say? He welcomes. He welcomes the sinners. He, he like, I'm ready to have dinner with you. He welcomes you. And then he goes on to say, Jesus tells a parable, and he says, suppose one of you had 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost one until he finds it? Isn't that what he does? Isn't that what the shepherd does? Isn't that what he does? 
you might be here today and you're thinking, boy, that's me. You feel, man, I've lost my way. I'm embarrassed. I can't believe I did that again. I'm, I'm ashamed. You feel dejected and you feel lost. God could never love me again. Not after that. Not after what I've done. But if you're here today and these thoughts are running through your mind, I told you that God wants to speak to you today. And I feel the presence of the Lord. you to listen to what God wants to tell you. Not only is Jesus searching for you, not only is he looking for you, not only is he right there on the edge just waiting for you, but check this out in verse 5 it says, and when he finds you, I want you to listen to the words here, he joyfully he joyfully, and I want you to picture this. I have a picture of this. He joyfully puts it, this sheep on his shoulders and he carries him home. He carries him home. He knows how weak you are. He doesn't want to take any chances of losing you again. How embarrassed you might be how ashamed that you might feel. And he's not just going to find you. If I had a little one that I could carry, I'd put him over my shoulders right now. And I'd walk around this place. <laughs> but you can imagine. He's going to make sure going to make sure that you get home. He's going to put you on his shoulders and joyfully carry you home. He's not, he's not, gonna, he's not gonna set you down, slap you around, and, and, and give you a lecture. He's gonna joyfully carry you home. That's how much. God loves you. Today, you're questioning. You're out there and you're questioning, is there anyone who loves me? These thoughts are running through your head. And you're, you're at a decision point and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do. You're going to run. You're going to turn around. You're going to go back. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be in defensive mode. What are you going to do? And you're wondering that. That's the question that you're asking yourself. And I believe God's here today saying to you, you can stop thinking that he loves you. He wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to know it. The Bible says the shepherd carried his friends, called his friends and his neighbors together. Shall we stand together? And he says after he pulls them all together, all his buddies, all his neighbors, all his friends, and he says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I found my lost sheep.
God loves you this morning. Just as the shepherd in this parable makes every possible attempt to find his his lost sheep, I'm here to tell you God makes every possible effort and attempt to bring sinners to repentance and forgiveness. I want you today to realize, realize you are loved. All the poor and powerless And all the lost and lonely And all the thieves will come confess And know that you are